Welcome into another episode of the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel, the sickest NFL draft podcast on the planet. We got running backs on the mind today. Figured that'd be a good topic with everything going on, especially since last week we talked about the tight ends. We talked about 22 personnel. This will put a really nice finishing touch on that as well and what to expect in the NFL this year. But with that being said, we got Sammy with us in the background in the studio. So, Sammy, let's get this thing rolling. Let's go. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick... In the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick. And welcome in again. We're getting into the running backs. Joining us is the co-host, Justin Gamble. And coming from Colorado, Justin, how are you doing, man? I'm sweaty, man. I just got back from hockey, and it's 95 outside here, just like it is where you are. So I'm just trying to stay cool, buddy. Oh, yeah. No, and, and I just seem to recall one time you were playing hockey. I said, don't get hurt. I think uh, you got hurt that night. <laughs> uh, I think that was like, what was that, like two, three years ago when I tore my ACL yeah, yeah. or something? Yeah, it was yeah. a while ago. Yeah, it was a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, you jinxed me that night, bro. I did. I'm sorry. I, that's why I'll just always tell you not to go break a leg because, I mean, you I've did sli- it. So that'll... <laughs> I've slightly recovered. So I think <laughs> That'll help you. So yeah. uh, real before we get started, I had a really funny story happen, uh, or I guess it's kind of cute. Everything that you want as a dad, and so uh, I was. I was. It was Sunday, and uh, my daughter came in. I was watching the race because I'm a NASCAR fan when it's not the football season. And she comes in, and she's got uh, my. I think she had my sister's phone, and she goes. And they were showing me that they were watching the wide receivers episode because she wanted to watch Daddy's podcast. So. Everything settled. Everything came to fully full circle there for as a dad. We got you know? fans, man. We do, yeah, we do. And the last <laughs> one hit one k in the first twenty four hours, so we're really grateful for that. But now we're going to yes. continue that on and get into some running backs. And so in this outline today, we've got a we got some good things to get into. Obviously, running backs has been a really hot topic here lately uh, because of the running backs getting together and wanting to get paid more than they're getting. They're one of the few positions in the league. If not, it may be one of the only positions in the league that their salary, their average salary is dropping by the year, whereas everyone else's is rising. And so it has been a really hot topic. And I thought that talking about running backs and what we're looking for as scouts would be a great place to start. And where best to start with, well, how many different roles are there, Justin? What's the general overview of the running back position? That's an interesting question. Um, I think it's changed a lot over the years. Um, the way I kind of look at it is there's a few different archetypes of like what running backs fall into these days. And it's, are you a good receiving back? And this is not just running back. This is what I would say are like are successful NFL running backs, not just yeah. any, because you know, there's a ton, but the way to be successful is there's the, you can be smaller, but you can be receiving dynamo. You know what I mean? You can be uh, Jameer Gibbs. You can be um, a slasher with, you know, burst and speed like uh, Dalvin Cook, who might not be the most physical guy, not the best receiver, but quality enough to where he's, you know, he can contribute. But he is a slasher and a home run hitter at his core, Dalvin Cook. Or there's the guys like kind of like several years ago, maybe a decade ago, like the Mark Ingram types with the power, the vision, 
Um, the guys who keep the offense on schedule, they can give you 35 carries a game and they don't look worn down the next game. Like those guys can beat up the defense as opposed to the other way around. Then there's the type that's kind of everything in one, which is like Bijan Robinson, like we just saw come out, who has, you know, absolutely dynamic receiving ability. He is as shifty and as much of a slasher as anybody. He's big. He's physical. He can carry the load. Um, you know, he's good in pass protection. He kind of does everything almost at an elite category. So that's kind of like what you would draw up in a lab. But then if, you know, if, if you can't have that, you got to settle for the Dalvin, the Mark Ingram, or the Jameer Gibbs, if we're going to put him in those, you know, three different categories. That's kind of what is successful in you know, today's NFL. Right, right. So starting with the bell cow, which is sort of a dying breed in the league, um, right. the bell cow, I think, is a good p- place to start. And when we talk about them, they're not necessarily great receivers, uh, they're usually good pass protectors, guys that can you know step up and make a block on a free linebacker, or edge rusher, right. whatever, whoever's coming off. But they're guys that you mentioned, like Mark Ingram. I think Derrick Henry is the ultimate bell cow running back. He's a guy that can take 30 carries a game and really keep the offense on schedule. Very right. rarely is he tackled for a loss. And he has that home run ability too when he gets in the open field. I think that's a big part of being a bell cow as well, is having enough speed and enough contact balance that when you get into the open field, you're still a mismatch on that secondary. Nick, and Nick Chubb, you know, something like Chubb. That. That's another, that's another Nick, great yep. example. Yep. yep. So we've got few of them that are left in the league, but ultimately everything's been started to be replaced by this rotation, right? right. Getting right. three or four different running backs. I think the Patriots probably started this in the NFL and made it somewhat. How many times are we going to say that on the show? The Patriots started this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they invented something new. as usual. <laughs> Or, yeah. or just took what was working because I think college, I think ultimately it worked up from high school into college and then, you know, tripled right. up. But yeah. the first one to successfully really use a rotation uh, in the NFL. And so when we start talking about bell cow and having that, you talked about some of those archetypes, the receiving, the, you know, the, the slashers, those on and so forth. If you're building a rotation, let's say three deep, that's typically what people run now, three deep. What are you doing with that rotation? I mean, typically you'd want kind of maybe even like what the Browns had a few years ago with you have uh, Nick Chubb, who is your, you know, 30 to 35 carry a game guy if you have to. And he's the physical man, but he's also has enough speed. Then you have Kareem Hunt, who is a big time receiving threat, has enough speed, has enough wiggle to where he is going to give the defense a little blend of something different. Now, instead of Nick Chubb running straight at him, they got a guy who's going to dance around him and, you know, might lower his pads, might not. But he's really going to challenge you in space, and he's going to do some things like that. And then, you know, I think if I was a GM building a team, I'd want some, two, two of those type of guys. And then your third guy might be the, the smaller speed guy who is kind of, um, you know, he might be – he's hopefully a good receiving threat, but he's also someone that is your home run hitter or at least your jitterbug in open space to where he is probably not the most physical, but he's the guy that you can say changes the pace of the, kind of the offense and gives the defense a whole different look. It keeps the, yeah, the bigger and, guys, you know, less tired. We definitely saw this, you know, and going back to what I said with the Patriots, you go back a few years ago, they had that room. We saw James White play with them for James a decade. White. It was a receiving yeah. got receiving running back. That's, he would catch 70 passes a year and uh, rival, be obviously be more productive than a lot of uh, uh, receivers in the league. And then uh, Brendan Bolden, I think, was kind of that – they used him oh, as sort Vereen, of that home run Bolden. hitter. Oh, so many. Vereen. 
Yeah. Yeah. These guys were those guys that were used sparingly, but they were the home run hitters. If they could get, you know, the lane or get into space, they could make a guy miss and gash a defense for a long time for a good game, uh, if not straight to the end zone. And, you know, so now we've seen that a lot of teams rotate through that. There's an interesting thing that I pulled up on Twitter. I guess it was last week when this maybe two weeks ago now when that running back discussion really first started, because I think that there was a meme that was going around that was displaying the leading rusher in the Super Bowl for the winning team in just that game. And none of them over the last 12, 13 Super Bowls have been paid more than like $2 million that year in their salary, which, which is really – and a couple of them were wide receivers too, which made that really interesting. I think the Seahawks' leading rusher when they beat the Broncos was Percy Harvin, not Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. Oh, but wow. um, Yeah. And so – I took it a step further and went ahead and looked at the roster construction. You know, what was their top paid, their leading rusher for the season? What was he paid? And for the most part, you have to go back to Marshawn Lynch before you find someone who is significantly paid on a Super Bowl team. So when you have that trend, you know, with we're ultimately all trying to copy the trends of what, what a winner has done, right? The winning Super Bowl team. That's why Eagles go win it in 2017. They beat the Patriots. Everybody is looking for a rotational defensive front, which when we get into defensive line, that's going to be a huge part of the discussion is the rotation. And then, you know, uh, obviously like, you know, the, the, the chiefs, I think really opened up the 11 personnel for a while. People wanted to build that up and, and make that into the successful, you know, offensive component to that to their team which was very successful but in that light with this running back discussion how difficult is it for a team to sit there and go you know what i think we need to go ahead and and pay this running back you know 12 million dollars this year i mean i think it's easier to do like maybe what the giants did and pay a guy one year but i think it's very very tough to pay a guy a long-term deal because Mm -hmm. running backs just don't age well. Like it's it's the nature of the game. They're not going to get less worn down. Their legs aren't going to get more pop and more energy. They take hits. They take hits. All that's just the way it goes. And I don't think you know Todd Gurley, Lev Bell, um, who else? So many running backs have elite elite primes, only to drop off so fast that as an as like myself evaluating prospects for a long time now, those were the first guys that I think I kind of had to be like, what's going on like what are running backs really at their core like are they did those guys are they different than most running backs did they drop off for a certain reason or is that just the way that their bodies you know the way that it naturally will happen for everybody and i think the more and more i watch i think that's just the way it naturally happens they weren't special nothing really happened um you know they had some knee stuff but that's the point all running backs their knees start to go their feet start to go their legs get tired it's i think it's it's easy like the giants I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl this year, but I think paying Saquon on a one-year deal, that's fine. But if you lock him up for four or five and give big money, you're doing it wrong. Now you can't pay younger guys. Now you can't pay receivers. Um, you're going to have to rely on the draft really to win with all these young guys. And that's very tough to do. So um, it's got to be it, short-term it, stuff. I'm glad that you brought up Todd, Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell, because both of those guys had contracts, huge yeah. multi-year contracts that Steve were Kelly worth as well. 16, yeah, Zeke Kelly, it's another great one. 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year. 
Todd Gurley never made it to that part of his contract. He was already out of the league by the time he was supposed to be paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Le'Veon Bell, you know, we all know what happened as soon as he left Pittsburgh. He goes to the, he sits out the year. He goes to the Jets, and just wasn't the same player. That's and I think that's another thing yeah. that's difficult. That's that's another thing that's very difficult to do. And Le'Veon Bell is the prime example for that. It's so hard, man, to sit out a football for a year and then come back yeah. into it and expect to be a star player. I mean, not just Le'Veon Bell, Deshaun Watson, you know, we just saw that from. I think that right. a lot of Watson was rust this past year with the Browns that he just hadn't played in a long time, and it's a different speed yeah. when you're playing on the field. So uh, yeah. going back to play sports anyways, you know? Absolutely. And then yeah. to come yeah. back and come back rusty, like, it's not going to happen. It's just no. not going to happen. And, you know, we hope that he's going to come back. I think some of us do. Maybe I don't as much. But we hope I that he's going to come back. <laughs> uh, for football's sake, sure. But as a human being, eh, <laughs> <laughs> Not to open a can of worms or anything. But, yeah, yeah, uh, sorry, you know, yeah. I, think we, I think we do hope to that, you know, for, for the sake of football, that, you know, we can see people come back after not playing for a year and be able to play well. And I think Calvin Ridley is right. going to be – one of those guys we're going to be looking at. We're going to, that's another thing too that that's for a whole other episode. But the gambling stuff, you know, are these year long suspensions for gambling going to hurt players in their careers? So yeah, there's so sure. many different factors to it. Yeah. But so the running backs have kind of been threatening a little bit. I think is a good word to to use about do we sit out? Do we maybe not play this year? Do we? What are we going to do about you know this situation and, and create leverage so that we get paid? And I don't know if there's a solution to NFL running backs at this point in time getting paid. Well, I think what I've heard, I think this, I mean, mostly from people on Twitter and like, I don't have a good answer for this myself. I'm not, I'm not splitting atoms. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And you know, a lot of this money stuff is like, it's confusing to me. I'm like, I don't know what I would do. I'm not a front office on a football team, but people are saying, well, they need more guaranteed or they need longer deals when they're drafted and blah, 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 blah. With that, I don't know if that would really do it that that might make football less good as a whole because now teams naturally by default or whatever have more money locked up on running backs early on and so they can't pay other positions so now they're all kind of struggling to find you know let's say the team wants to sign Devonte adams and would have had the cap space well now they don't because they paid a rookie running back a you know a bunch of years and long term that's that's just what i've heard people trying to say and it doesn't make sense to me so I don't know – I don't think there's a really a solution to what's going on right now. I think just, unfortunately, it is what it is. And switch positions or just accept that, you know, this is your fate. So I don't know, man. I feel bad for the guys as people, obviously. But paying a running back big money in a long-term contract is basically paying them for something they did, not for something they're about to do for you. And that's mm -hmm. silly to me. That's just so silly. Yeah, and that's that's the tough part about it all. And I – I got on, I think it was Pennsylvania radio a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the Barkley potentially holding out, which he ultimately did. Yeah. But you know, we've seen it with jo Josh Jacobs is holding out. Jonathan Taylor's holding out star running backs that have been very productive the last couple of years are holding out right now. Uh, Sony Michelle retires out of the blue. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine that had nothing to do with the running back zoom call last week, but you know, uh, I think that there's, the, the, there's not a solution for NFL players and right now, uh, which which really sucks. Ultimately, I think that it, the way that I kind of look at it is supply and demand, basic economics. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, and, and when you really look at, well, yeah, when you look at high school right now, you know, I, I've got the, the, I could, I could say I have the privilege right now of watching, you know, a three, a school, I've got a one, a school in my area. They're going to play a five, a school this week or, or when they open up here in a couple of weeks, you know, and what I've noticed is the position that a lot of kids want to play. And this is just because of the nature of high school football. It's tough to have to find a good quarterback that can deliver the ball, that can get it out on time at that level is play running back, running back. You are the star. And I think that, you know, the, a lot of these teams that I'm watching right now, they've got two or three guys on their rosters right now that are really good at running back. You know, one of them I, I know is getting is he's going to be a D1 player, you know, and he might be doing okay. a running back and wide receiver. But the, my point basically being that you're a star in high school because you play running back, you run, you touch the ball a lot and you build those carries. Then you go to college. And colleges have already picked up on, hey, we can't run these guys, you know, 300 times a year because, one, we can't rely on them to stay healthy, and, two, they don't want to come to the school. They want to split carries and be ready for the NFL. And so every school now is running really two, three running backs. And so when you take that bottleneck going from high school into college and then from college into the NFL, you got a double bottleneck there with all of this talent. It's just like watching an interstate go from four lanes to two. You know, from six <laughs> to four to two, and it's all in like a right. two-mile stretch, and it's so backed up. There's so many people there. That's I think that's what's happened to the running back position. You know, ultimately because everyone is running these rotations to try to make their their, their careers last longer, and as a result, <laughs> when you get to the top level, it's like, well, you just run for four years, and I've got guys coming out that are just as good, if not better, than you, and they're fresh. And they're fresh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, you got to cut it off at high school, man. That's I not going to happen, but it, yeah, yes, no, that's where it has to, that's a fix. <laughs> well, and every <laughs> single year too, it's all the rage, man. We will follow the recruiting rankings and we're checking which running backs are going to which school. And it's, it's awesome. It's so fun to watch because it's still a premier position to watch even in college. But yeah, now their trajectories change where used to, these guys would go to places where they know they're going to get run into the ground because they want to showcase themselves. Now you see guys choosing schools where like, yeah, there's a lot of, premier talent all stuffed in one bag but at least they get to share carries so they go to the nfl fresh i would say if i'm giving any running backs advice i'm not saying switch to receiver because a lot of them can't just based off their size and their frame. learn to catch learn to catch we just saw jameer gibbs sub 200 right get drafted mm, yeah. they would have well they would have taken him at six overall or whatever and we we saw on that uh that that leak video or whatever they would have taken a sub 200 nfl running back at six overall that Over is Bijan Robinson. Yes, that is craziness. But you know why? He's fast and he can catch. Learn to catch. Be a receiving threat. Be a guy that they can split into the slot or use in multiple formations and multiple scenarios and multiple, you know, if, can you play the two-minute drill as a running back? Because I don't want to have to go empty because our running backs can't catch. Can you be on the field at all times? And then you can get drafted high still. But I think the guys like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, even Jonathan Taylor to a degree, a lot of these guys that cannot catch – or are not great receivers, your value is dwindling because so many of these young guys can come in and they can catch and they can be on the field for a full 60 or whatever. You know what I mean? They can be on the field as often as the offense would need them. So that's the only thing that I think is <laughs> some advice to young runners is just learn to catch. Help this is, yeah. This is the perfect time to, to move into this part where we talk about the impact of last week. I spent a lot of time talking about, I can foresee the league going in a direction 
a lot of the NFC going into 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends on the field at the same time. And, you know, I, I gave the example last week of Atlanta, you know, where you have just excellent size, excellent athleticism across the board. That's going to be so difficult to defend. It's not just Atlanta that's doing that. You know, we watch Green, Green Bay's got two great running backs that can do a lot of different things, and A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And what did they do in this draft? They, dra- they went out and they got three tight ends. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Yeah. <laughs> Detroit is another team. They went out, they got a tight end. They had a great two in Daniel Wright. They add Sam Laporta, who's a guy that I know that you like, and yep. naturally everybody else likes because he's from Iowa, uh, and he was their number one tight end. <laughs> but, you know, and they go add Jameer Gibbs. And now all of a sudden they're equipped to go run 22 as well, you know, with, yeah. with uh, David Montgomery out of the backfield and put Jameer Gibbs into the slot. And, you know, you got Amon Ross St. Brown that can do a lot. He's maybe not a, a true X, but he can play that role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the two yeah. Other tight he's a volume catcher. Yeah. Right. So you, you got, you have a lot of teams in that conference right now, gearing up to run a lot of 22 personnel and so that goes right back to the point that you were just talking about with Jameer Gibbs as a perfect prime example and B. John Robinson being a great receiver. I think that the real key uh, to being a, a successful running back and making a career happen as well that we haven't mentioned as much is pass protection. I think that that's, the start, that's, gonna, that's the, where the premium at the position is starting to head. If you can catch and you can be effective as a receiver, you don't have to be great as long as you can be effective you're good, yeah. right? It, yeah. As long and, and you can pass protect. And a great example of a guy who can do that is Tajay Spears, who goes in the third round of the Tennessee Titans. You know, so I think that pass protection is where we're starting to kind of head, and that's going to become more valuable, especially as the league goes into more twenty-two. Yeah, and I mean, for those listening at home, I don't think it's necessarily like you. I don't think. I, I correct me for a moment. Or maybe this is just my thoughts on it. Pass protection is nice, but I don't necessarily think you have to excel in pass protection or that's something you should value super, super, super high when you're evaluating running backs. But if you are serviceable, at least as a pass protector or can just stick your nose in the fan for a little bit, now defenses don't know what's coming based off the personnel. If you're a running back who they know like, ah, he'll at least, you know, try, (laughs) try to pass protect or he's shown that he can do it. Now, when you're on the field, we don't think, oh, he used to be just a receiver or just a receiving back. Now we know they're passing. If, if, they, if they know the offense can use you in multiple ways, now it kind of limits the defense's minds. It's, well, it limits what the defensive coordinators can do because now they know this guy's versatile. He's not just on the field when they do this. Now they can't play after 10. So I think it used to be like, like for instance, Shamir Gibbs. He's not going to pass for 10. So the mm-hmm. defenses now know when he's on the field, you know, run right at him or expect the pass and sit back and we'll wait. You know what I mean? Because they know Detroit's not going to put him out there to protect Jared Goff. That's, they, they're going to put him out there because they want him to catch the ball or at least be a potential carrier of it. So I think the more versatile you are, meaning can you protect the quarterback, that's huge, like you said, for running backs because now it just makes it to where they can keep you on the field and they might not throw the ball to you, but that's okay. This, this down because you're not a bad pass protector. You know what? I'll, clar- I'll clarify that thought because that's that's a good point that okay. you bring up. I think that we go back to the bottleneck, six lanes, down to four, down to two, and it all happened in two miles. That I feel like that's Nashville. You leaving Nashville, you get out of Franklin. It goes from six down to four, and then down to two, and you're just like 
you're all it's always bottlenecked always and so uh same thing is kind of a same thing applies here a lot of players now can do the exact can do can run and catch when you look at the running back position as a whole most running backs in the league can run and catch and that's why i was pointing out that the premium now is going toward pass protection right because if you can do all three which ultimately is what we were kind of discussing is like a like bell cows they're not receivers well now if you want to be a bell cow you got to be able to do all three which is almost impossible but that's why the rotations there if you've got three guys that can that are all serviceable in those three facets running receiving and pass protection that seems to be where the value is that's why you got a guy like Bijan going eighth, eighth overall. That's why we're going to see guys like Tajay Spears be productive. Kendra Miller might be, even be productive as well. Right. You know, with Tank the Saints. Bigsby is another guy. Bigsby and very yeah. underrated as a receiver. You know, yes. like he, he wasn't used as it much because of their quarterback issue. But right. he's very underrated as a receiver and he's a solid pass protector. And so when you look at those guys that went ahead of other guys, right? Chase Brown went in the fifth round, which. Very productive yeah. running back at Illinois. Really solid receiver. Not a great pass protector. Right. I think that's the NFL the used to value that a lot more. It, it used to because it was more of a – well, it was less of a passing league, I think. The NFL used to be so much more of a run the ball on first and second down, throw the ball on third down. So now if the running back's in there on third down, you know, back in the 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if the running back's still in there, you know he's not catching the ball. He's in there to pass protect. And that's changed a lot now. Now running backs are used as decoys. They're used as slot receivers. They use as actual running backs. They can catch on the backfield. They just do so, so much more. So like, I think like you're saying, yeah, you have to be able to do so many things to separate yourself from the pack now. Right, right. That's the tough part. Yeah. Now, obviously, rotations created this pay, this pay uh, disparity, right? And we're going to keep going back to the pay thing because it's such a big story. It's such a big part of building a roster. I think that I heard on uh, Sirius Radio that if the Eagles had paid Miles Sanders, they would have paid him more than what they're paying the five running backs on their roster right now. That's a stat. (laughs) And I mean, I get that the running backs have an issue with that, but you can't tell me you could say that to a running back in the NFL, and that would make sense to them. I mean, they would have to think for a second and think, that's silly, like, that doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't. That's just that's foolishness. There's so many running backs coming out of college now that you can draft early and rent, basically rent for a few years, get their best years out of them, and send them on their way. It sounds bad, but that's just the nature of the beast, man. That's the reality of the NFL and the reality that's- of the NFL. That's what people have won Super Bowls doing. That's 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 all there is to it. Right. The last ten years, you know, we've we've seen Isaiah Pacheco this past year was the difference maker, a seventh round draft pick out of Rutgers. Who I was shocked that he went in the seventh round. You know, when he did because I'd watched yeah. him. He was a super explosive. He didn't have a great line of Rutgers, but yeah. he he was a he was a mismatch, dude. He was a you mismatch. Think you're anytime. big and run a four three. You're going to go before the seventh round. That was that's shocking what, to me. Even. That's what you would think, yeah. But yeah. You got you can get guys in the seventh round is the point, you know, right. and go win a Super Bowl. Right. Mind blown. <laughs> right. Kind of, you know, it, and it kind of brings up, would you rather have Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round for some reason or Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh? And that's another, that's another discussion is why the NFL is so bad sometimes 
at drafting running backs or even evaluating them. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's a whole other topic for now. The, uh, like you said, drafting a running back in the seventh hey, and winning a Super Bowl is wild. We, we got time. We got time. We got time. We can get we can get in this topic. Let's let's talk about that. So okay. pose the question to yourself, Justin, because you raised it. Would you rather draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first? Would you rather draft Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh? <laughs> well, the thing is, is when Clyde Edwards Hilaire came out, I said I wouldn't take him in the first four rounds. I said there's no way. You wouldn't you can't get me to. He's slow. He ran a four six something. He's five seven. Like there's no there's no world where I'm taking him before rounds five. Like, all right, all right. Six, so, six, then, so then, so then, so that that's a bad question then that you posed. Okay. So that, let's make it a little bit harder. Do you rather take Bijan Robinson in the first or Isaiah go. Pacheco in the seventh? I was having this top or this discussion the other day in a group chat, and we were talking about uh, our running backs really undeserving of getting paid, and we said yes based on the way it's set up, but that doesn't mean that when running backs are in their primes that they're not game changers, right? So if you believe a running back is a legit game changer and your Super Bowl window is in the next three to four years, then I think that is when you take that guy in the first round. That's when you draft a Bijan because you say, all right, we're already good enough as a team to make a playoff run, even get to a Super Bowl. That is when a guy like Bijan Robinson, a special talent like Bijan, can set the offense over because now you have an absolute dynamo in the backfield as well as, you know, a complete team elsewhere. But I think if you are a team that's kind of rebuilding, possibly, why, why take Bijan? Unless you think, like, our window is approaching sooner, but maybe not there yet. But, like, it's like Josh Jacobs on, for the Raiders. Paying him doesn't make sense because they're not good with him. They're not good with him. So why pay him and say, good, we got our, we got our star running back so we can suck for four more years? Who cares? Let him go. I understand his frustrations, but running backs don't set up. They don't make a bad team that much better. They don't. They just simply don't. But they can make a good team great. And I think the Chiefs happened to be just so good that Pacheco was really all they needed. They needed a seventh-round kid out of Rutgers to make them, you know, a Super Bowl champion. I think they, you know, violently misevaluated Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially that was the year with J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor. You have other elite talents out there um, at running back, and they happen to take Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I think that was just them, you know, kind of buying into the LSU hype, the national championship hype, the production. But it it was uh, it was a mistake because <laughs> they could have had some other See, players. See, that back. was 2020. They went to the Super Bowl when he was a rookie. Did they? Was and that the year that? Was that the year they beat the 49ers? Or was that the year that they lost to the Buccaneers? I think that was the year they lost. If I almost positive they lost to the Bucs that year. Right. But that's okay. the thing, is like Clyde Edwards didn't really play much at all in the Super Bowl, especially that year. I don't oh, know. Okay, not that, well he played he was he was he started several games and I think yeah. his snap counts were in the three four hundreds that year. He was somewhat productive. I know that he was very productive week one in fantasy because I was playing DraftKings. And I right. killed it because I made him my running back. I knew he, they'd use him a lot week one because he's fresh. And, he did uh, the opposite of most running backs. It was like normally like they start slow and then they like work their way into the lineup more and more and more. He did the opposite. He, they, they wanted to use him, you could tell. And then they were like, oh, he sucks. Like, we can't <laughs> he's, he's slow. He's small. He doesn't do anything. Like he doesn't have the power to 
run between the tackles. We kind of like you know kind of fade him out of the lineup, and they did. And uh, now I don't know what his career is going to look like, but you know I don't think he was worth that first round pick. I think one thing I was looking at earlier, looking at um, running backs taken in what rounds. I was looking at, like drafthistory.com. Mm-hmm. What I realized is the NFL is, does a pretty good job of drafting all the starters that are probably all the quality running backs in the first two rounds. They rarely let a lot of good guys get out of the first two rounds unless there's like, you know, crazy circumstances. But they do have a problem with drafting one or two horrible ones in the top two rounds. Claude Abdelzoulay is one of them. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like they're pretty good at getting everyone right, except there's like one or two that they happen to just draft probably because of production or some other you know, LSU hype or national championship hype, something like that. And that is where they make mistakes. Well, yeah. That's, and then that's we always, we always look at the, at Alabama running backs. There was one that came out. I can't, I think of his name. Went Trent Richardson went top three and didn't Third pan out. Yep. Didn't pan out at all for Still uh, sure anybody. Still not sure what happened. To him. I mean, that, generational that, in college. that picture that you saw, uh, of him, I think, with the Raiders in a preseason game where there's a hole that's as big, that's wide enough that my grandma walking with her walker could walk through it, and he's running and he a mile. Out of it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, no. Nah, so. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was small either. He was a big dude who had speed and physicality. I don't know what really went down with him. but And, I mean, those are the rare ones. Those are the rare misses, I think, that if you're a team, no one's going to blame – No, I don't think anyone blamed the Browns for taking Trevor. That's the thing. No one was like, oh, stupid, like we told you so. It was consensus. He was fantastic. I think he's just one of those, you know, just like we have the Isaiah Pachecos that are stars that get drafted in the seventh round. You have the Trent Richardson's randomly that'll go in the first round, and they just don't pan out for whatever reason. And a lot of it has to do with mindset or, you know, the speed of the game changing, something else. But, you know, I think overall the NFL does a pretty good job of getting everyone right except those few guys that they just overdraft. And I think – even like Twitter, a lot of Twitter people were like, Fido Dudes Alaire shouldn't have gone that high, you know, but I don't know. It is what it is. So the the big argument for them wanting to get paid is that they are absolutely crucial to a team. Which right. is the truth. You have to have one. You can't you can't go into a, a an offense and go, you know what? I got Jalen Hurts back here, or I got Patrick Mahomes, or I got Justin Herbert. I'm gonna throw the ball every single play. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You have to have a running back. So when you're weighing how crucial they are, you know, like, like I, you look at a Saquon Barkley, that's a guy that carried the Brown. I mean, the carried the giants into this, the playoffs this past year, I think, and really yeah. was able to unlock a lot of uh, opportunities for Daniel Jones to cash in as a passer. So he was absolutely critical to them getting to the playoffs, you know, in their, in the first year under Brian Dable. But when you Not look wrong. at yeah, yeah. You look at players like that. Jonathan Taylor is probably another one that's critical to the Colts' success. They had a bad year. He's hurt. He's not playing. You know, and I and so I, I get that part of it where we look at these running backs and they, we say these teams are really successful when they have them. So how do you weigh how a, a running back being crucial to a team to dollar amount? Well, there's a few different points I want to make on that. I think. Look at the Colts and the Giants. Colts didn't have a great defense, but the Giants had a pretty good defense, an overachieving defense. Mm-hmm. So the thing about running backs is, like, yeah, they're crucial because you have to have them, but they don't allow you necessarily to score fast. If, like, your running back is the star of your offense, 
you're not going to be a, a high-scoring team, and you're not going to score fast. So you still need receivers. And um, you probably need to keep the score low, which the Giants did a lot last year. The Giants won a lot of nail-biters. But, uh, when they beat the Packers, what did they do to Aaron Rodgers? They had, it was like first and goal inside the 10 or something. And I think they forced like four incompletions against him or something. So the defense has to help you out, right? And I think that's like the blueprint is if the running back is a star of your offense, you better make sure that the scoreboard has some low numbers on it. And you have to understand that your identity is going to be a physical football team because, like I said, you don't score fast. And it's going to be a lot of ugly wins, a lot of grinded out, pounded out wins because the Giants were an ugly offense last year. It was never pretty. It was never like throw the ball around the yard. Daniel Jones was never doing anything that was really aesthetically pleasing. It was like he runs the ball here and there. They throw some screens. They give Barkley a bunch of carries and touches. They might get to the receivers here and there. But Jones had some ugly statistics. Some of those box scores after the game, I'm like, dude, I want that, you know, three hours of my life back. That was, uh, that was horrible to watch, but they, <laughs> but they won like 12, 10 or, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not ideal. So I think sure, sure, sure. Running backs are crucial, but like, that's like saying cars are crucial to work. Crucial for me to get to work. So I need a Lamborghini. No, I got a Corolla out there. Like I'll find another car. It's not, I don't need the best of the best. I need serviceable, something that gets the job done. And the other things are what I really need to excel. I need good receivers. I need a good O-line. I need everything else to be good, but the running backs are the one thing where they can be decent. I can find them in the seventh round, something like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing that up. So Pacheco. Oh, yeah. We'll Pacheco. Pull, we'll pull it out. Yeah, we'll pull it out. Or even, honestly, like the fourth or fifth round, too. I mean, you look at the Bears drafting Roshan Johnson in the fourth round, and we know that Roshan's going to be the number one running back on that team this year when you look at that roster. And then the same thing look with... At, Look at Damian Pierce out of Florida. Look at Brian Robinson from Alabama. Look at uh, who's the other Damian Harris from Alabama. You can find those middle round guys who have vision and power and enough size to get the job done. You don't need the Bijans. And I think that's really the key. Ijea Pacheco is probably more of the exception, not the rule. But you can look in the middle rounds and see, oh, starter, 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 starter. They might not be dynamic starters. They might not be guys that you think are irreplaceable. But they're guys that are going to get the job done. I think if the Chiefs had Brian Robinson or Damian Pierce, they would have probably been just as good as they were with Pacheco. And I think that's like that should be the point. You know what I mean? Pacheco again. Yeah, we're we're, doing, we're overdoing him a little bit. Well, yeah, the Lamborghini is a good thing to point out because so everybody has to pay the same amount of money. Everybody's got the same amount of money, and so obviously when you have different people living in a let's say you got thirty two different people living in this neighborhood everybody's going to allocate that money differently. They're going to find certain priorities to their lives. And typically when everybody's in that sort of same class in the neighborhood, you're not going to see a Lamborghini parked out there. And if you do, they're not, they're not doing too well anywhere else, right? Like the house might be falling apart here and there, (laughs) you know, the roof looks like it's about to cave in. And that's, I think that's a great analogy actually, because, you know, do you need a Lamborghini to get to, no, it's a great analogy. It's perfect. Thanks, buddy. But it's also like a car, too, right? An offense is like a car where you got the quarterback driving it. And, you know, uh, the running backs are kind of the the tires. What's the first thing you replace on an offense? Oh, dude, that's good, too. Good for you, man. You're crushing it. I can't, I can't, I can't claim it. I heard this one. I heard this one from another player. <laughs> okay, but okay. No, it was perfect. It was, it was absolutely, it was perfect. But that's exactly Love what it is. And, you know, the wide, the wide receivers and the skill positions, they're, the moat they're the engine 
you yeah. open up, you, open, you pull up wow. the hood and that's what makes it roll. And then you got the frame, you know, the frame, the alignment, all that, that's your lineman. And so your our, offense our is viewers like, can oh. tell how stupid I am. Cause as you're saying this, I'm just like, <laughs> my mind is blowing. I'm like, dude, bro. No, that's, that's exactly what it is. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, the running backs, so the running backs right now to, to kind of play into this analogy that, that you started with the Lamborghini, they're car salesmen and they're trying to sell Lamborghinis <laughs> <Right. laughs> to, to this neighborhood. This Lambo, bro. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I get my commission. I'm good, you know, but <laughs> it's just, it's so hard to see a, a, a something positive for, you know, the outlook yeah. of that position getting paid. And honestly, the only way that you're going to do it, there's going to, there's got to be some sacrificial lambs that come in here and make some things like, quit like sony michelle did you know but you got to have higher impact guys do this now if you want to make this thing happen you know and And they're not going to because they might win a super bowl christian mccaffrey went to the the niners because he's an elite back who can play receiver if he really wanted to he really could Mm -hmm. he's one of the few that's not a thing most running backs can do but he's not going to quit early because he's the best maybe the most talented all-around running back we have in the nfl and he went to a team where he thinks the Super Bowl window is, you know, probably two, three, four years, and he's going to try and win it. I don't think the answer is going to be quitting. You know, these like they can try, but then they're getting paid nothing. I think. Yeah, their careers are over if they if they try. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> That's, That's why I said sacrificial lamb because it's like yeah. you you get a f- several top end guys to just quit, and now all right. of a sudden teams kind of go, oh, okay, maybe we have to pay these guys, you know, because if people. I think it's something that's got to continuously happen, though, you know, and the closest we've ever seen to anything like that, and it wasn't ever money, was Barry Sanders quitting in his prime. But that's that's yeah. that's kind of the, that's the thing. You, It's like, what do you do? There's I don't see any way that these running backs create any leverage right now. I just I can't see it. No, I don't think they have any. I don't think I don't think they're really gonna gain any either, unless, like you said, you know, they all just basically go on strike like the Hollywood writers or something, and they're just like, "We're done, man." But again, look at how many running backs are in college. Look at how many running backs are in the USFL or the XFL. Like the NFL will find their guys, guys who want to get paid and just want to play ball. They might not be as good as some of these NFL players, but that's just not going to help the leverage of these, you know, NFL guys that want to get paid. So. Yeah, it's 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 a bad situation, you know. For if you if you're a running back, you know there there just isn't any clear answer to it. I've seen you know things thrown around that maybe you readjust the franchise tag so that quarterbacks are tagged, receivers and running backs and tight ends are all in the same position group, but that's not going to help the running backs either because now that nobody's getting tagged, you know, because they're not going to dish out eighteen, nineteen million dollars to a running back. And pay him like a wide receiver. That's just not going to happen, you know. So no, I think this is genuinely one of those scenarios where it's not a matter of well, if we do this, this, and this, things can change. This is like in the foreseeable future. There's no leverage. There's really not a good way where this can work out for for these guys. It, it's just it's not going to happen. And I think either we're going to see a lot of position changes in the future. That maybe that might be the only thing is, you know, a lot of these kids coming out of high school, like you said, switch positions, and then we have a running back shortage. But that would take, you know, that would take Years. some, yeah, Years. like that would take a while. And I, and I, like you said, I don't think 
kids are going to have that type of commitment. Um, you know, Bucky Brooks coaches high school football. Bucky Brooks from NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not moving, moving the sticks, yep. Yeah, with the sticks podcast. His high school football team made it to the state title game without throwing a single pass. They were on like the wing T or something. They don't throw – they didn't throw a pass. So the quarterback was basically irrelevant. He was another – he was a running back basically. Mm-hmm. There's no receivers. Everyone's a running back. The whole team – so, sure, we can – Say yeah, switch positions. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. But high school football, like you also said earlier, these quarterbacks aren't overly skilled. The offenses aren't you know what they are in college of the NFL. So receivers also aren't getting their due. They're not getting to show out like they would if they got to carry the ball more. Some high school, sure, yes. But overall, it's, yeah, these kids want to play running back still, and that's how they get to get the ball and get their touches and put up their highlight reels together for these, you know, colleges to look at. So it's, it's a never, it's a, it's a problem with really no solution in the near future. So as we get into the back end of the show, when we start talking about nuances at the position, I, I know that you definitely have certain things that you're looking for. Cause I know that I have certain <laughs> things I'm looking for at the running back position in terms of nuance, you know, the deep, yeah. the deep stuff beyond just being able to run, being able to catch, being able to pass protect, what are a couple of those nuances that you really like? Big thing for me um, with running backs is tempo, I would say. Um, and, and that's the way that running backs kind of manipulate the defense or the way they hit the hole, the way they – it's like a running back running a route. Um, if you just run as fast as you can every single time – or a wide receiver, sorry. If you just yeah. run as fast as you can every single time, Cornerback can probably keep up with you. If he's just as fast as you, he's just going to run with you. But you watch guys like Calvin Ridley and Justin Jefferson. They might not be as fast all the time, but they know how to alter their stride patterns. They know how to move their hips and their heads. They know how to kind of lull cornerbacks to sleep and then take off. You know, they use tempo. And I think a lot of the best running backs can do that. They can read the second-level defenders. And, um, you know, if a linebacker is over-pursuing a little bit, you cut it back. If he's a little slow reading you in the hole – you take it front side and beat them to the beat them to the edge. The best ones do that, whether they're and, and you can do that at any level or at any caliber of player. We've seen slower guys do it. You know, like Mark Ingram was a master of that. Where it always felt, I always felt when I was watching him, evaluating him coming out, thinking like, how is he doing this? How is he so slow sometimes and just whomping defenses on the second level? And you would watch him. And he was just eyes on the flow of the defense, eyes on the second and third levels, waiting for them to make their move. And then he would counterpunch and go off the bat. Um, some of the worst ones I've seen do it, I remember Lake Seastrunk at Baylor. And I remember Royce Freeman at Oregon. And they were both – Lake Seastrunk had home run speed. Um, he was a fluid mover. Royce Freeman had solid speed. He had a little bit of burst. He had good size. But they were these guys where they would get the ball and just sprint. And it was almost like the defense's – knew where to find them and when to find them. They were always on schedule because they didn't read anything. They were just going. And they were hard. They're easy to stop. Where, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Dalvin Cook was another one. He was a master of getting the ball. He would pitter-patter, pitter-patter, and you're almost frustrated, like, go, 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 go. But he would wait for the defense to make their move, and, dude, he was gone. And that's why he hit so many home runs in college. And it wasn't like he was a burner. He was, you know, probably a four four five or something is what he ran. So he's fast enough, but he made defenses look silly all the time. Um, Bijan Robinson last year was similar to that, where you could tell he 
really understood tempo and what the second level defenders were doing to try and stop him. Um, I also think guys who can create in space, I think Derrick Henry's of the world, like you said earlier, are kind of phasing out. Um, mm-hmm. Even Nick Chubb sometimes, those two frustrate me because they don't create well for themselves. And if there's a media penetration into the backfield, or if the offensive line make, does one thing wrong, those two can be stopped a little early because they're not super, super creative and they're not overly fluid in their lower bodies. They're kind of more, you get them on schedule, get them a runway and good luck. But they're not the guys who can dance, dance, and then still, you know, still go like some others. So um, creative guys, guys who understand tempo, that's really, I think, what sets apart the best from the rest. Because um, a lot of them are just as talented. You could say a lot of guys are equally as talented as some of these NFL studs, but they're not as skilled. They don't do the things the same way. They don't see the game the same way. They don't read the flow and feel the speed of the game the same. So that's something that is really, I think, important when you're evaluating running backs to look into. So I, the one thing that I really like is, and I, and I measure this in two ways, is contact balance. You know, right. uh, because if you look at where we, we talked about when Matt was on here talking about wide receivers, we talked about contact balance and becoming a running back in the open field. Contact balance, I think, is a key. You know, being able to shed that first tackle. And so I measure it in two ways. Uh, the first way would be at the first level, you know, and still inside the box. And I call that in uh, contact balance in power, right? So when you're, when you're approaching, when you've got a guy and he hits his hole and that first defender is trying to arm tackle him coming off of a, a lineman, you know, the, the first line, whatever that is, and he can shed him off and work up to the second level, I think that that's something – you know, two, three extra yards, it key, it adds up over time, especially if you've got a line that's penetrating. Right. And then I measure it as well. It's contact balance and space. And so that goes in the creativity that you were talking about, you know, because you sometimes you got to be creative in your lower half to set up a defender, you know, so that when he comes up on a guy and that defender starting to settle down to make the tackle, you got to put him in a position where he's going to miss. Or if he doesn't miss, miss just enough to where you can break it. And that's where that contact balance yeah. comes in. Right. And, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I think, was a guy that was so good at that. You would watch him set up defenders. He was so amazing. Just yeah. incredible, you know, with the way that he could set up defenders in both of those areas, power and in space. And then uh, after that, I think, honestly, the big thing is, you know, you talk tempo is a really great one, but um, burst, man, it's burst, it's explosion. Yeah. Right, because you can set up the defender, you can have the tempo, but if you don't have that step coming off of it, and you hit that hole. Yep. Good luck, buddy. You know, you better have, you better be great at that contact balance. Right, the burst yeah. really is an extra step. You know, and I think that's what made Pacheco so good. These one cut guys like that, where they just have this insane level of burst, they accelerate almost seamlessly, and they can set, they can get one defender in the wrong spot, and bam, they're gashing, they're slashing. And I think that that's the key. Those are a couple of keys I'm looking for at running backs. And uh, you look at this year at guys, I don't know how many running backs you've looked at in this class coming up, but I'm going to mention Donovan Edwards out of Michigan. Michigan, okay. Yeah, Yeah, not Blake Corum. Not the guy that started most of the year before he got hurt. I'm talking about the guy that that played after him, Donovan Edwards. He's 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 an incredible at those at those couple things. First off, the contact balance when he hits the hole and then just exploding. You know, as soon as he gets to his cut, I mean, he's he's right. ridiculous at both of those things. And one of my favorite running backs for that for that reason, I think Marshawn Lloyd, who used to be at South Carolina, just transferred to USC. 
That's another one okay. of those guys that I really like as a one cut. I'm a, I guess I'm a, let's be, I'll be real. I'm a one cut guy. I love one cut running backs. We have our, we have our biases and that, you know, that's the way it mm-hmm. goes. But I, I'm with you. I like the bursty guys. I always think like it's, it's great to hit the 60, 70 yarders, but sometimes that's not there. Or sometimes you need to be able to hit 10 to hit that. Like sometimes you don't get that runway where you can just go. You're going to have to, you know, kind of get your way out of traffic for a second and then you can hit that home run if it's there. But um, like the build up speed running backs don't really do it for me either because they get caught a lot in the backfield. They get caught in the second level. But if you can explode in small areas and get yourself out of, you know, away from everybody, that that's very, very important. I'd rather have a guy who consistently hits 10 to 15 than occasionally hits the home run because you got to keep the offense on schedule. So, Absolutely. Yep. You got a favorite yeah. running back in this class yet? I think uh, I haven't studied too many, but uh, Trevion Henderson from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Some of those runs that you, well, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. The year before, I think he was State. hurt a lot of last year. So Yeah, I think, okay, so it was the year before that. I watched a bunch of the Ohio State tape the other day, and, I, and when I got done looking at it, I was like, oh, I watched games for multiple years. I don't even know what was what. Like, I didn't even remember to, like, check which one. I just, like, went, 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 went. But he had a few runs where, like, he's even, and it, the other guy, like, the defender is already moving faster, and you're like, oh, he's going to get him, and then dude just lightning bolts away from him. And, like, at his size, he shouldn't be that bursty, but uh, I he think he's got, he's got some special ability. He's not the most, like, make-you-miss type of guy, but uh, the frame on him and the power he has, too. Uh, for my month, so, so far... I think he's the best I've seen. There was one other one that I was watching. I like Will Shipley out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, he better not get the McCaffrey comparisons because I, I, you know, like yeah, white, white, white guy playing running back. We, we get it. They're both white, <laughs> but yeah, Shipley is very much like a speedy but powerful straight line runner. Like it's did not. You, a, did you, you thought he was speedy because I can watch him and I I think four sometimes. six. That's what I that's what I see when I keep I'm watching. watching is all I would say. There are some times where you're like, oh, he's fast. And then sometimes where – here's the thing. He doesn't have the best hips. So it's almost yeah. like if he's not – like if he's having to kind of lean or accelerate through the corner or accelerate while, you know, angling someone off, he'll look slow. But if you get him to open up his gate and just go fast, fast. But his lower body is not great. It's not that fluid of a lower body. Um, and I don't think he's going to be a first-round guy. I've seen that, you know, floated out there a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think the Clemson thing and the recruiting rankings. Yeah, 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 I don't think he's a first round guy by any means. But um, I haven't seen too many more. A few of the Bama guys I've seen. uh, Ask me in another week or two because I'm. I started getting the tape pretty hard recently, but uh, yeah, I haven't gotten too deep yet. The receivers I've gotten pretty deep. That's that's about it. So I'll I'll give you. I'll give you a guy I really like. I'll give you two, and then we'll wrap this thing up because. You know, we got to make way for Adam Rank on this pot on this platform. Adam Rank, yeah, big dogs, man. yeah, big yeah. dogs. <laughs> so, um, Caleb Hood, North Carolina. That's a guy that I really like. Okay, is he related to Elijah Hood from like years ago? That the North Carolina. I have kid? I have no idea if I'm being honest, but so him? so yeah, no, I remember Elijah okay. absolutely, okay. but I I don't I have no idea. But Caleb, um, you want to talk about a guy that. Reminds me of AJ Dillon, but can catch. Okay. He's, okay he, he, yeah, he's got the long strides. He's a little bit smaller. I think he's at two twenty five, not two forty. 
Uh, but he's got the long strides. He's got the big giant thighs, good mm-hmm. hips, and he can catch out of the backfield very well. Uh, okay. He was hurt a lot last year, too, so he didn't play as much. But uh, if you go turn on that Miami game when Drake May, you know, and, and they went it down there and it was a close one against Miami, yeah. he, he had some plays that you're watching going, A.J. Dillon, absolutely. Get into that. And then the other guy is, and I'm not just saying this for nostalgia. I'm saying this because I actually like this guy. Is Frank Gore Jr. Okay, Southern Southern Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, he's had to do a lot of different things in that offense. Played some Wildcat quarterback too. Uh, in fact, they had to play 2021 the last three games exclusively at Wildcat quarterback because they didn't have one. <laughs> um, it's okay. interesting. Oh, oh, it's interesting. I do. I think you were posting videos or something. I, I remember was, this now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's playing. Okay. He's playing the last three games. I think they won. I think they end up one and two, which is surprising when you're in that situation. Yeah. But he is. He's. He's got that tempo that you're talking about, man. You're gonna. You're gonna like that when you see him. Absolutely. Yikes! All right. Good to know. Good to know. Who is the best running back you've ever evaluated to this point? Ever. Oh. Yeah, that you've done like an actual evaluation on who's your yeah, highest yeah, yeah. back. Highest ever. Man, I gotta go back a few years. I gotta think. You know, and and I'm not I'm I'm not gonna claim recency bias. Okay. This is not recency yeah. bias. I think that this is actually legit. I think it's Bijan. Because I, I mean, why not? Everything that that guy can do. I hope he hit I, I hope he hits now. Well, you know, like I hope he is he's just an absolute star. There. Well, but we said that about Trent Richardson. <laughs> yeah, no, but Bijan is clearly, clearly different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Trent Richardson is that one of a million. Uh, Bijan is just he—he he was so safe coming out. I think I have a, I have a huge bias for like the real elite burst, like like Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. uh, Jameer Gibbs. I remember Lashawn McCoy coming out. And I remember thinking when LaShawn McCoy fell out of the first round, like, what are we doing? That was also 13 – I don't even know how long, know how long ago. That, yeah, but I remember he, 2009. He so. came to the Combine 198, so he was sub-200. And back then, that was blasphemy for a running back. So I kind of had a feeling like, ah, he's going to fall out of the first round. But I was young, and I was like, I don't know enough. And sure enough, he did. But in college, go watch – if anyone wants to go watch LaShawn McCoy highlights. He was outrageous in college. I mean, a man amongst boys. It looked like a, it looked like a senior in high school, like playing, you know, with junior varsity. <laughs> yes, like elementary school kids. You're like, how is he not being touched? Unbelievable talent. Um, he was one of the best, one of the best running backs I've ever seen. Um, Saquon Barkley, obviously. Uh, you know what's, you know what's and, funny and is, I didn't like Saquon as much coming out. I actually. And this this is this was a huge miss for me, and it was more for off field reasons. I had Darius Geis over him. I did at one point, and then I was like, I can't. Geis, okay, so well, here's the thing: Geis was crazy in college. He had that what two hundred and something yard game against Texas A and M. Geis was good, and he had enough speed to hit the home runs. The difference between him and Saquon Barkley was Geis had great vision. He was a true pro. Like a real pro running back who could, if if he had been able to stay out of trouble on the, off the field, yeah. You know? Where Barkley was faster, more talented overall, but sometimes in college, the the fifteen the ten yard gain was right in front of him, and he would say screw it and try and go dance somewhere else and lose five. And it, it now, was always that was, like that was yep 
That was my big yeah. complaint about him, right? Was I think the, I tweeted a lot was like Barkley's elite, but is he going to keep the offense on schedule or is he going to make them, you know, regret putting him in for certain plays because they're like, dude, we had it and you messed it up. And that's at, at Penn he State, was, he was that guy. He was tackled for loss. He lost more yards than any running back in the country. Which was which, an interesting stat, and that was one that I, that was one that I was kind of holding on to, going, I don't know about this guy's. I don't yeah, know, yeah, buddy. But he was so like that run against USC. You're like, all right, he's an alien. Like, <laughs> no other. I just I can't put it on one <laughs> run, man. I can't. I can't. And that's why right. I went with Geis over him. And I think Geis yeah. was two points higher on the grade than than Barkley was. And it was just yeah. because I thought that Geis was going to be that guy that was going to be consistent. You know getting those five, 10 yard gains and Barkley was we'll going to be know. that wild card. So yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. Absolutely. Adrian Peterson was the other one where that was my first year when I started oh. like, really watching college prospects. And I was like, I don't know who this person is, but he's not from this planet, but I didn't really evaluate him. I just watched him and was like, that's not a, that's a not person. Something's wrong with him. That's a machine. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was out of this world. So. Yeah. Peterson, obviously NFL pro, He'll be all pro. He'll be a Hall of Famer here as soon as he's eligible. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that sure. should just about wrap up the show today, dude. Dude, I think it was a good conversation. We got that was a nice a time, man. Yeah. Got a lot knocked out talking about this running back contract situation and some of the things that you're looking for when evaluating a running back. We'll be back at it next week. Until yes, then, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the 1K on the last video. Let's see if we can do that again, maybe with the running back. We'll see. And uh, thank you to Sammy and everybody in the studio that in the background that do this, that make this show possible. We appreciate you and the yes, work that you, you do too, because without you guys, obviously there is no sick podcast network. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and sign out for Justin Gamble. I'm John Vogel. Thanks for watching. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.